0: You are listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show. From ComedySlamRadio.com. Ah.
1: Welcome to a very special episode of the Let's Be Frank Show with Martin Short and Gwiggy in studio on ComedySlamRadio.com. And we are live on the Let's Be Frank Show. We have Gwiggy in studio and we're getting ready. Hello Gwiggy. And we're getting ready to bring in our very special guest martin short who's going to be here in town uh, at the end of the month for ruth eckert hall so let's bring martin short on in hello hello martin Martin. how are you today very good how are you not too bad i'm dave frank with the let's be frank show and i have gwiggy hello dave i also have gwiggy a local comedian here with us in studio hey gwiggy
0: how's it going mr short
1: very good do you prefer mr short or martin short i would say marty works fine all right there we go i like marty so <laughs> i want to thank you very much for taking a, some time out with us today i know you're very busy we we all watched john letterman last night
0: yeah it was a fantastic show on letterman last night how how long do you set up to uh, do uh, uh an appearance like that on letterman because that was that was a pretty big number you guys did
2: yeah i mean uh i have this tradition where um matt roberts who is now the executive producer when i first started working with matt was the segment producer uh, this is back in 96 or something and uh, uh and now what we do is that we always go out to orso this hip restaurant in manhattan you know a couple of nights before and we kind of plan out what the show is he writes the song and uh and then we kind of go over the lyrics and work on that. And then we work uh you know, talk about what I can talk about. And that's how I do it. All right. It
0: was great. It was a great show. I we thought. have
2: laptops and the whole thing.
1: Nice. So you're going to be down But in... that
2: number is... Uh, Paul Schaefer and I have a long history, so we work yeah. real quick together, too.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, because you guys must have put it together in just a couple of days.
2: Oh, yeah. But not even that, really. We rehearsed uh, with the backup singers around noon that day. And then you go down and rehearse and... And then you wing it. Nice.
1: Well, I tell you, uh, I guess this is going to be a good segue into a question that Gwiggy has because that's really got to speak about the training that you've had before you, you know, before you achieved the level that you have now, but to be able to, after all the years of experience, to be able to do that kind of a show in such a short amount of time to prepare.
2: Well, I I think that it's, um, it is when you think of, of people who, let's say, put on a newspaper every day. And you kind of think how, how they probably started off working at a university newspaper where they had to put out a newspaper once a week, and that was a lot of pressure. Sure. And then they eventually reach a level where they can do it uh, uh, each day. And, and it kind of it's there, and you just kind of I don't know you get used to a shorthand of moving quickly. And and also I think it's important just to maintain a, a great kind of looseness in front of the audience. I think that they, I think audiences are less concerned about whether everything lands or everything joke, but if they think that it's, uh, that you're loosely, like on stage, uh, uh, the show I'll do on the 29th at, at the Ruth Eckert, if, if they think, when they walk away, if they say, gee, you know what, I, I, I sent," he was so like kind of himself and loose, I have this feeling I, I just had a hang with him. I think that's a successful uh, appearance.
1: That's That's a great way to look at it. I know in stand-up comedy, they say a lot of the best stand-up comedians talk about their real experiences. They move away from the shtick and they talk about their real life, and that's when their success comes because they're talking about things they're most comfortable with.
2: Yeah, and I think it's just, and again, you have a sense that that you actually now know them. Uh, you know, I think that um, you know Dave Letterman and I have a, a long history, and uh, I think a very easy time, and people sense that two people are friends and they're kind of enjoying each other in that interview and that it becomes actually more important that kind of energy than even the jokes
1: definitely and it's you guys have what would you say it was your 43rd or 45th time
2: 45th appearance with dave yeah
1: <laughs> 45th with david letterman and your first and I mean, that's not
2: even really counting cameos and top 10
1: lists and things like that <laughs> well the first with uh, the first with dave frank and the 45th with dave letterman Hopefully we'll have a couple of <laughs> more with us too. Yeah.
0: By all means, you're you're more than welcome to stop by the studio here and do a cameo at any
1: <laughs> any time.
2: Oh, that's awfully kind kind of you, <laughs> Very generous <laughs> indeed.
1: So, Martin, I really like to ask you, what can the people expect from the show that you're going to be putting on down here? What what are some of the things? Are you going to be bringing back some of the characters from the past?
2: Yeah, I think there's going to be, um, you know, my shows kind of, you know, change all the time, and there's a lot of improvising going on from show to show, but there are certain, uh, I guess, tent posts that that become like uh, uh, fun for me to do, like having Jiminy Glick show up and interview someone, or, uh, you know, having Frank come out and discuss the latest people in politics and who has style and who doesn't, or... You know, um, so, so there will be a lot of characters that will show up that uh, that uh, from my career. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of us are looking. I know myself and Gwiggy will be looking forward to seeing the Glick character. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Jiminy is uh, <laughs> one of my. He's, favorites. he's a pretty easy one. He's a pretty easy one to do because it's kind of a stream of mean consciousness. <laughs>
0: Uh, can I ask you, Martin? How how do you come up with a lot of your characters? What what is the uh, the process where you you start with a character uh, from just an idea to to becoming such a a big entity I like that, or at least?
2: Well, it's it, it, it's very it all varies a little bit from character. I mean, obviously, if you're talking about a movie like Father the Bride, mm-hmm. it starts with it was their idea for this guy to have this kind of euro where was he from accent that Steve couldn't understand, but his wife and daughter could. So it would symbolize his alienation from the process of a wedding. Uh Um, Often characters, you know, you just try them on SCTV. We try a character um, and if it didn't work, you didn't ring it back. And sometimes, you know, I did this character, Irving Cohen, an old songwriter, and, and he was just supposed to be a guest on a John Candy, William B. Williams show. And but it was a funny character. So suddenly we're now creating commercials for Irving Cohen, and now it became a character. Nice. Uh, you know, I just did an hour special called "I'm Martin Short Goes Home," which is going to be shown to on the CBC in April third in Canada and syndicated down here later. Mm-hmm. And there's about ten new characters in that. and and it kind of comes out of creation. You think of that special is about me fictitiously going home because my childhood mentor played by Fred Willard is in trouble. He had a marionette show when I was a kid, and I'm going to do a concert for him, like a free concert, but it later turns into a heist. I'm just there to steal a painting. Nice. <laughs> but through my journey of trying to determine, uh, uh, you know, uh, what influence did this city of Hamilton have on me, I go fictitiously through all my, the people who meant something, and one is like a football player of a football team, and so you have to create... What that look would be? Who would that guy be? What would his height be? What if he's five three? Maybe that's good. Maybe he's a third-string quarterback. Maybe he should have red hair. You know, and you just kind of experiment in front of the mirror with voices. And and I have great, you know, the the, the Judy Cooper who did all the wigs in SCTV. I still is still the person who does you know my wigs when I do specials. And so again, the shorthand's tremendous.
1: Yeah. So now, in, in addition to your comedy, I mean, you've had a lot of time. You were very successful in Canada before you even made your way to the United States. Uh, and me and Wiggy both giggled a little bit this morning before we were talking before uh, on how uh, Dave Letterman said you had your Canadian thingy and uh, with the uh, <laughs> the award last or that you wear on your lapel or your jacket. Uh, I yeah, thought that was extremely entertaining. Now, what is that actually? That's uh, it's it's almost that's a- the Order of Canada. That's an order okay. Canada, yep. And what does that represent? Because that's a pretty, I mean, that's with the Queen, and it's a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, well, it's kind of like I guess a form of knighthood, you know, for Canada, even though they don't have knighthood. Um, but um, it's the highest civilian honor you can get in Canada.
1: Wow, that's awesome. That's
2: pretty impressive. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I got a 94. A 94. I, yeah. I was just graduating high school a couple of years before that. I, I have a, I have a Well,
2: there you go. And yeah. I already it was a night.
1: I think we have a question from, uh, the, from Nolan, our engineer and station owner here.
0: No, I was just going to comment that I have a 94 Canadian nickel, if that means anything. <laughs>
2: it means a great deal.
1: Yes. It's worth nothing, but it means
2: a great deal to me. I, I, I'm proud of you.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We can send it to him as a memento of this Comedy Slam Radio experience. (laughs) So, Martin, you've done so many movies. uh, You know, uh, what was it? uh, Acrobat's Adventure. You've had The Three Amigos. I mean, so many different things. Was there a favorite movie or anything that you really enjoyed? I kind of enjoy them all, you know. I I don't... uh... (laughs) when you make a movie
2: particularly that you're not involved in the final process of, you don't have any power over it. You have no say over it. So the only thing that you can take from that experience is the actual experience. Right. And so that's why it's very important for me when I work, and it just helps me to have everything uh, loose, funny, having fun on the set, great relationship with crews, you know, out of tension and... And anger and darkness, nothing is. That's bad for me. I kind of freeze up and say, "Good. What, can I get out of here?" You know. <laughs> and so, I have I have great memories from everything I've ever done. You know, I don't uh, I don't say, "Oh, I only like that because that was successful," or "I only like that because that turned out well," or "I only." You know, sure. All fun.
1: That's a great way to look at it. Definitely. I know one. Of, I know one of my favorite movies, and and it's not one of the. It was almost like I'll say a cult favorite amongst my friends when we grew up was uh, Clifford. When you played, no, uh, oh, I love Clifford. Yeah, uh, it, I still sit back. I Charles Grodin, it. hilarious. Yes, it was. It was. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it really oh, thanks. is.
0: Uh, do, can I ask you something? Since we're talking about films a little bit, do you, do you tackle uh, mm-hmm. uh, acting in a film a little bit differently than you do for your live performances too? Is there is there a different way you you look at them, or or is it?
2: I don't know. I think there's a natural thing that takes over when you've done them, uh, uh, you know, a lot for the years. And, and it, I think it's just the difference between why you get on a bicycle and, and that's a different kind of balance. And you get on a, a, a motorbike and that's a different kind of balance. and You you know, I mean, I, I think you kind of instinctively know if the camera's three inches from you, you, you don't present. The same energy or the same thing as you do if you're playing a, the big hall. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a natural thermometer that takes over that turns it into what you think. And sometimes, you know, that's why video sisters great in movies. You can see a playback and say, you know what, that's too low key. But also in movies, they're going to cover it so many different ways. They're sure. going to cover it close and far. And sometimes. In the editing room is when they realize, you know what, this place funnier, wider, and isn't this funny close up. And So that's why, I'm, unless you're involved in the edit, your job is to just give uh, the editor and director as many colors and choices as he possibly could have for that edit two months down the line.
1: That is great. Mm-hmm. So in addition to coming to Tampa, you're going to be traveling. I think you're throughout Florida all month long. You have a whole lot of shows uh, Where with the uh, while you're down here. I think you're going to be in Miami and all over, right? Yeah,
2: I'm in uh, m- uh, uh, West Palm Beach on the 28th, um, uh, Clearwater on the uh, 29th, and uh, I think it's just those two. I and mean, then North Carolina on the, on the 31st.
1: All right. And I think I'll be at that show to to watch on the 29th. I'm pretty uh, pretty excited, looking forward to that. Well, thanks, man.
0: It it says on the on the website you change the title of your one-man show quite frequently. Is that is that true? <laughs>
2: well, I don't know. It's don't all made-up titles. Showman, <laughs> <Soapy laughs> Lady Fame.
1: Yeah, I've heard that one.
2: Okay. If I'd saved, I wouldn't be here. You know, Sunday in the Park with George Michael. Yeah. I don't care.
1: <laughs> you know, what are we gonna call it on for on the 29th?
2: Uh, I, I, a party with Marty. There <laughs> we go. A
1: party with Marty. You can't beat that. We're having a party yeah, with Marty here on Comedy Slam right now.
0: <laughs> uh, can I ask you a little bit more about the uh, writing? How how um how do you approach writing a whole one man show? Cause that's that's got to take a lot of work.
2: Well, uh, there's there's you know I did a. Uh, a faux one-man show a couple of years ago on Broadway called Fame Becomes Me. Yes. And that was an entire cast of people. Yeah. This is uh, a concert's a little different, but it's... Um, I, I think that the idea is you have to keep enough uh, improvisation going to keep yourself interested, and then you have to mm-hmm. keep it structured enough to have some order to it. And um, you just keep adding and thinking of things. And, you know, for a long time, I... I I, I never put the character Frank into my shows, because I couldn't think of what to do with him. And one night I was at um, a dinner, and I was discussing, you know, uh, why I, I thought Obama would get the nomination over Hillary, because he had more style, you know, and he was hipper, and I, I couldn't believe how shallow I sounded. And then it dawned on me, oh, that's what Frank can deal with. He can discuss... Uh, people in the media and why, who has style, who doesn't? <laughs> and then just you know do jokes, you know, show Kim Kardashian saying, well, you know, she's no style because look at her, you know, she thinks soy milk is Spanish for I am milk. This is not a bright <laughs> woman. You
1: know? So you,
2: Hugh, uh, Hugh now look at him. This uh, guy is so old that the only time he doesn't have to pee is actually when he's peeing. You know? <laughs> His girlfriend had a near-death experience. She stood next to him, and that's what I think. So, you know, you just create different pictures, and then you that becomes suddenly, oh, that guy's
1: in your show. Yeah. See, I think it's actually easier for Gwiggy, who does a lot of uh, – he's in some of the improv groups around here locally in Tampa. So where I'm still starting out in comedy, I'm still feeling my way. I think he's a little bit better with the improv and working with the audience to keep it going live from those skills. Well, it's like even um, even if when I do a talk show, uh,
2: I do plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then the hope is when you go out there, you don't really know where Dave's going to go, but at least you go out there with a sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of what you what I think. You know, what you you say you're just you don't want to improvise but eventually you'll get loose enough that you'll be able to improvise because you'll already come out with your
1: material yeah it's been slowly coming i've been feeling a little bit more comfortable with it and uh but i know i went to just my first improv show the other day and it was phenomenal i saw the the hooligans right oh yeah charming yeah. hooligans yeah. and it was a phenomenal mm-hmm. show and it was something i had never experienced yeah. so have you done a lot of did you do improv itself before you got yeah, comedy. I did. Uh,
2: I was a member of Second City for many years, which uh, begat SCTV. Yes. That's really Second City TV. Yeah. So that's all improvisation. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So. Uh, and
0: Jimmy Glick is all improvised.
1: Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know yeah. it was. You totally actually bring improvised. somebody
0: up on stage, some random person on stage for that nowadays, right?
1: Right. 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 Nice. All right. Well, I know we had. It'll John... be a
2: surprise guest. It could be the mayor. Be oh, really? The Pope. <laughs> we'll
1: see. Yeah. Maybe it could be Fat Davey from the Let's Be Frank show.
2: Uh, well, no, I think we want a high-profile person. Yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, that's not me. Not yet. Maybe one day. But yeah, listen, okay. I, I know we had John for for uh, 20, 25 minutes today, and I really appreciate you calling in, and I really appreciate... My pleasure, Dave. And I really thank you, and I really appreciate Ruth Eckert Hall uh, helping us out to secure and have you call in. Uh, I would like to ask you, I know you're going to hang on for our engineers afterwards, but for any young comedians, because I have a huge amount of young comedians throughout the country that listen, do you have any great advice or anything to give them as a final note?
2: Um, it's it, it, uh, the only advice I ever can think I can give at this point is just to not take it personally. You know, try to just treat it like a business and don't be defeated or inflated. It's just you're lowering a stand, you know, over the the awning over the fruit each morning, and then you're raising it, and it's just. It, because it is that kind of looseness and, and lack of desperation that
1: is the most appealing on stage. Thank you very much. That's great advice. Thank you, Dave. Thank, Thank you, you Wiggy. for calling in.
0: Thank you so much, Mr. Martin.
1: <laughs> it's been our pleasure, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon, Marty. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: What was that? Oh. What was that? I'll tell you what that was. That was another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com, where we put the dot-com and-